and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Facts versus Rhetoric. I'd like to thank everyone for joining us today. A couple things in the docket today. Today we're going to look at the FTX crypto scandal. We'll take a trip back and learn about our own money and currency and put a bow on it by showing you how this negatively affects us and what to be aware of and not fall victim to. So in the news, you may have heard about Sam Bankman-Fried, the young crypto billionaire who, you know, still drives his Toyota Corolla and doesn't care about money, just a kid genius. Well, it turns out Sam was full of shit, and now he's got your money, and his companies are bankrupt, and just billions of dollars have disappeared. So Sam Bankman-Fried, we'll just call him Sam, Sam owned and founded FTX, So the basic gist of what happened is FTX is a crypto exchange. They took customers' money, they invested it in unknown assets, and then when the customers went to withdraw their money, there was no money there. Okay, that's the cliff note version of what happened. Now, FTX is one of the largest crypto exchanges in the world. And all a crypto exchange is, is a place that takes money in, takes dollars in, and gives you a token to then buy and trade cryptocurrencies. You can't just go to a store and buy Bitcoin. You can't just go to a store and buy this. You have to go to an exchange. And these exchanges make money by charging you a fee on transactions. Okay, so they just think of them as like a crypto broker. So if you want to buy any of this shit, you go to these exchanges, you give them your real money. Now you're playing in the crypto world. All right, and so FTX was a crypto exchange and they had their own cryptocurrency which is those tokens, it was called FTT. So it's like Bitcoin, it's just a, it's a cryptocurrency coin. So what happened was Sam, being the genius kid entrepreneur, Silicon Valley mogul that he was, created a little backdoor in FTX's bookkeeping that let him alter his company's financial records without alerting any external auditors. So he was able to transfer $10 billion of actual money that he got from people and he gave a token in exchange. So he's got 10 billion real dollars. He just transferred that to his sister company, Almeda Research. Okay, this is their crypto trading company. Okay, just another company he set up. So he just gives them $10 billion of real money without anyone knowing and it went undetected. So somehow Coindesk, which is a crypto publication, so think of them as the Wall Street Journal of crypto, Coindesk gets a hold of some financial records, leaked, secret, I don't know how they came across this shit, but they got some balance sheets from Almeda Research. So this is Sam Bankman's company that he just, you know, gave $10 billion to. And as of June 30th, Alameda Research showed $14.6 billion on their balance sheet. And most of that was FTX money, IOUs from them, the FTT tokens. So basically it was all the money, it was all the crypto fake money that he got from FTX and just put it over in Alameda Research. So their $14.6 billion in their balance sheet was just made up of coins that their other company just invented. Okay, so FTX has no liquidity, they have no money because they invested all of their real money in a bunch of unknown assets. No one knows where the money went. So both, both of his companies have no money. FTX's money is tied up in unknown assets, and all of Alameda's research money is tied up in FTT, which is that fake coin backed up by FTX, right? There's no real money behind anything. So both Sam's companies didn't have any liquidity, no cash, no money to do anything with. 
And as a company, if you don't have any money, then the only thing of value would be your other assets, which in both these cases, their assets are a fake fucking coin. It's token. There's no, there's nothing behind it. Okay. So on paper, yeah, billions of dollars in reality, no money in the bank and all the real money that was in the bank is now invested in who God knows what. So this report comes out on Coindesk and Binance, which is another huge crypto exchange. They read this story and they have a shitload of these FTT tokens and FTX shit in their portfolio. So they see this stuff and they're like, oh my God, we're out of here. We'll start to liquidate all of our FTT tokens. So this causes a traditional bank run on FTX because everyone wants out of this token. This causes everyone to worry and people start selling their FTT tokens and they try to withdraw their real money out of the FTX exchange. Okay, because all you have is a token. So then you say, okay, sell it. And they say, okay, here's your money. So $6 billion in withdrawals over 72 hour period because of this panic, which FTX couldn't even fulfill because they don't have the money. So their customers wanted their $6 billion back, but they don't have any money to actually pay them. All the real money, again, was tied up in God knows what. The real money was replaced by fake money, fake tokens. And these tokens, the value of these tokens was used to prop up companies and make them look like they were successful and just rolling in the money. You're going to hear a lot about this in the news about, oh, we need regulation and this and that and the, the woes of crypto and whatever. But this is the cautionary tale of crypto in basically fiat money in general. You know, you need to ask yourself, what do you own? What is it backed up by? Like all fiat currencies, it only works if people believe it has value. Because at the end of the day, the dollar in your pocket can only be exchanged for a good if the person accepting the dollar believes that he can use the dollar for something else. Right? So someone else will accept it because they believe in it. If no one believes in the dollar, if no one believes that the dollar will buy anything, if people lose confidence in the dollar, what are you left with? You're left with a note that's 25% linen and 75% cotton with tiny blue and red synthetic fibers. That's it. Now, back in the day, when we had sound money, our dollar bills could be exchanged for gold. So gold was the real asset backing up the currency. And this was all made possible because back in the day we were on the gold standard and it was the basis for international monetary systems from the late 1800s to the early 1920s. And then we took a break during the depression. Then we tried to get back on it. After World War II, the United States, Canada, the Western European countries, Australia and Japan, they all entered into an agreement known as the Brenton Woods Agreement. The Bretton Woods system required countries to guarantee that they would convert their currencies into U.S. dollars at a fixed rate and that U.S. dollars were converted into gold bullion for foreign governments and central banks. And they came up with a $35 per troy ounce of gold. This gave different countries a monetary order making it easy to do business in different currencies. It's 1944. You have $35, you can exchange that for one ounce of gold. And if the foreign governments and central banks of Canada, Western European countries, Australia, and Japan, if they want dollars, they can exchange their currencies within the fixed rate to get dollars in return, which is backed up by gold. So any dollars held by a U.S. citizen or a foreign central bank or government could be redeemed for gold at any point at a fixed rate of 35 paper notes 
you know, paper dollars, also known as gold backs for obvious reasons here, 35 bucks would get you an ounce of gold. This is sound money. When you hear the term sound money, this is what they're talking about. You have a real asset, a real store of value in gold being stored, and then we're all given paper notes so we can easily exchange for goods and services, right? It was a pain in the ass to walk around with gold. So you use dollars, but the dollars were exchangeable for gold. That is sound money. So with the dollar pegged to gold, you have to have the gold if you want to issue more currency. This is the beauty of it. There's no money printing. You can't print gold. You got to go fucking mine it, unearth it, melt it down, refine it. Can't print it. So this kept the governments fiscally responsible. They could not spend money they couldn't collect in taxes. And by retaining this fixed exchange rate, the governments were hamstrung in engaging in expansionary policies. And that's the code word for inflation, right? That's government spending. That's what they're talking about. They were hamstrung from engaging in inflation, which is great for the people. It's great for us. It's great for our purchasing power. It's great for our standard of living, but it's not good for government. They can't promise you free shit in exchange for your vote. They can't grow their power in influence if they actually have a budget. If they had to live like the rest of us where they could only spend the money they have, what fucking fun is that? After World War II, we're on the gold standard. Fast forward to the late 1950s, things start to kind of unravel here for the U.S. and gold. You got the new administration in France. They started reducing their dollar reserves and getting the gold. They started to reduce the U.S.'s economic influence in the world because everyone held dollars. It was easy to do business with. But when countries were like, yeah, I don't want the dollars. Give me the gold. Now, all of a sudden, the U.S. is parting with actual money, real gold. They're getting back their fucking paper notes, and now they don't have the influence over the world economy like they used to have. So you have the French unloading their dollars for gold. You put that with the financial strain of all this crazy government spending in the 60s with Vietnam, the space race, all this crazy shit. We're like, oh, let's just, buy, let's just spend millions and millions and billions of dollars. All led up to President Nixon saying, uh, we're off the gold standard. We're no longer converting U.S. dollars to gold. And as of August 15th, 1971, they went off the gold standard. So they basically defaulted on their debt. All the dollars that were supposedly redeemable in gold were no longer redeemable in gold. So here we are. We have no checks and balances on government spending. We have no limit on deficit spending. We have no limit on money printing. We have no sound money. We just have the taxpayers getting killed with this stealthy inflation tax. And that's how you need to look at it. We talk a lot about inflation and the next step in understanding how it's created is how it affects everyone. So inflation, look at it like a stealth tax. You can't see it. You can't explain the cause of it. There's no tax return to fill out, right? There's no scoreboard for you to calculate how much you actually lost. Your money is just silently devalued. And it's important to understand this because with every tax cut, it's actually an increase of the inflation tax. So you think you're getting a deal and you're not because we don't cut government spending and we collect less taxes. So how, how's the math on that going to work? It doesn't. So we now we have to print more money to pay for that government spending that we didn't cut. 
but we gave you a tax break. So now all those extra dollars that you got to keep as a result of that tax cut are worthless. Are you still happy? That $1,400 government check, that $600 government check, that tax refund you got, all of that perceived goodness created inflation, which made all of that extra money you thought you had worth less. And this is why I always talk about inflation. This is why inflation was one of the first definitions the government changed in the dictionary. Again, go get your old dictionary out. Inflation, the expansion of the money supply. It is that simple. It is a sentence long. If we have inflation, that means someone increased the money supply. Fair enough? Well, who can do that? Russia? Nope. Putin? Nope. Oh, greedy businesses? Nope. I know the greedy oil companies that are price gouging. No, only government can increase or decrease the money supply. Doesn't need to be any more complicated than this. So Nick, if I'm understanding you correctly, the government is the one and only entity that has the power to change the money supply. Yes. Well, if you're right, that would mean that the government is responsible for preventing people from earning a living wage or affording a house or affording to feed a family. Yes, yes, all of that. Take any issue that we were told is a wicked big deal. Student loans, minimum wage, all the fault of the people who control the money supply. Who controls the money supply? It's not Putin, not Russia, not greedy businesses, not greedy oil companies. The government, the treasury, Congress, the Federal Reserve. How can the government fix a problem they created by printing money by printing more money? This is where we all need to get to because we just voted for someone because he was going to eliminate student debt. He was going to raise the minimum wage. He was going to do all these things. You don't do any of that shit without creating inflation. Do you know why we need a higher minimum wage? Because our money doesn't buy what the fuck it used to buy. So what, we're going to do more things to make that number keep going up? You'll never catch up. You need to focus on why shit costs so much in the first place. Why your dollar doesn't buy what it used to buy. Why you can't live on one income as a family. That's what you got to fucking look at and be like, why? Explain to me, government, why is my life fucking harder? I'm making all this more money and it's getting worse. When I was growing up, there was two books that were banned by the federal government. You had Fanny Hill, Memoirs of a Woman of Pleasure. And that was by John Cleveland. And that was banned for pornographic reasons, right? It's Fanny's story as she falls into prostitution and then rises to respectability, takes the form of a confession that is vividly colored by copious and explicit physiological details of her carnal adventures. Okay, so they had to ban that book. It was way too graphic. The other book that was banned by the federal government was Federal Mafia, How It Illegally Imposes and Unlawfully Collects Income Taxes by Erwin Schiff. Now, you look this book up on Amazon. The description of this book reads one sentence. Book on how government is collecting taxes. Well, that's quite the, quite the fucking understatement there. In 1992, an injunction was issued by the U.S. District Court in Nevada against Erwin Schiff and Associates, Cynthia Nguyen and Lawrence Cohen, against the sale of this book by those persons as the court found the information it contained fraudulent. Sorry, Erwin, little too close to home. We can't have the public understanding what we're doing. Sincerely, the government. So let's recap. Crypto 
that is not backed up by any real assets is a digital IOU that will only be paid back to you if someone else out there thinks it has value and they will buy it from you. Because crypto by itself is not a store of value. It's not an inflation hedge. Crypto, in my opinion, is the new subprime mortgage. Now, whether it's FTX or Celsius or the next crypto company that files for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, they all have one thing in common. They rely on the greater fool theory to exist. They're a pyramid scheme. They're a Ponzi scheme. You have to ask yourself, what are you buying? What do you physically own? How is the value of my token protected? Right? If everyone sold their token today, what would happen? There are opportunities to make a lot of money in crypto. There is so much volatility and there's so much money being poured into the sector because it's a new hot thing. But with high reward, right? If, you're, if you can make billions of dollars, with high reward comes high risk. You can lose it all. So you have young kids becoming billionaires and as a society, we're just so obsessed with the get rich quick thing, right? The six minute abs, take this diet pill, you can still eat whatever you want. You know, the how do I not have to put in the work and skip right to the reward thing? We're all obsessed with that shit. In crypto, the idea of crypto that all preys upon that. Don't get me wrong, if there was a crypto backed by gold or backed by a hard asset, that was done responsibly, it would be amazing because then you could harness the technology of a crypto, the, the ease of not having to carry around a physical asset. It would be like a, a digital return to the gold standard. That makes sense to me. But crypto backed by nothing is nothing. So the lesson today is you can't get swept up in the mania of the next big thing and not do your homework and not be skeptical and not ask questions. You can't just watch Tom Brady's FTX crypto Super Bowl commercial and think, oh, fuck, man, if Tom's in on it, I should get in on it. Because where did that get you? FTX is bankrupt. Tom Brady's being sued. And you lost all your money. And the government's going to roll in and say, oh, we need, we need to regulate this space. No, people need to learn a lesson. That's how this does not happen again. All government's going to do is come in, put regulation down, and then insure these fucking companies. So if it does happen, the taxpayers are on the hook. It's going to be the FDIC insurance all over again. We don't need regulation. We need people to realize, holy shit, there are bad actors in the world. They're going to take advantage of people. We need to put the onus on the person to do their homework, right? I said this before, but back in the day, before the FDIC insurance, before they insured deposits to a bank, you researched what bank you were gonna do business with, okay? Like all that work you do to buy a fucking TV today, that's what you used to do for your bank. Because if the bank went under, you lost your money. You had a vested interest in making sure that bank was fiscally responsible, had had reserve assets that was playing by the rules, that was acting responsibly. Now, you go open a bank account, you don't even give a shit about their balance sheet, about their history. You're looking at, oh, ATM fees, do I get free checks, right? You put all your work into buying a fucking television instead of where you keep your money. That's what government regulation will get you. It removes all of the work the public is supposed to do and it just puts that burden on the taxpayers to have to bail people out when, no, when companies go under. So I'd like to thank everyone for joining us today. 
Hope you learned a little bit about the history of our money and the craziness of crypto. And on our next episode, we're going to take this FTX saga a step further and look at where the money went. What political party got the money? What, Ukraine got some money? Oh, and wouldn't you know it, Sam Bankman-Fried is somehow connected to the World Economic Forum? I don't buy that. So stay tuned for more shit that will probably be dismissed as some conspiracy theory for about six months and then proven true. So till next time, my friends. (laughs) 